I'm not preaching from back there today. If the choir's out here, I'm coming out. Trinity Sunday. If you listen carefully to a lot of our prayers and a lot of the benedictions I give, it usually ends with God described three ways. Usually the first one is some form of creator. Okay, We recognize that God created all things, and God is always creating. God's creative spirit didn't stop after Genesis chapter 2 ended. Okay, God continues to create right now, this very second. God the creator. God the redeemer. That's Jesus. Jesus comes to set us right. Jesus embraces all that is wrong with us, all the ways that we're broken, and says, you're okay. And I'm here to remind you that you're okay. There's work to do, but don't kill yourself because you're not perfect, because nobody is. We are all sinners. So Jesus comes to remind us that we are all redeemed. Third part of God, this is everyone's favorite, right, Gene? The Holy Spirit. Everyone can describe to me in exact detail exactly what the Holy Spirit is and what its function is, right? No. <laughs> but let me help. The Holy Spirit, amongst a lot of other things, is a spirit that is empowering. It empowers us to act and to do and to be. It's the spirit that helps motivate us to take what we learn and garner and live here and take it out there. And I want to stop there because now I want to segue into what we did here yesterday. Because I know a chunk of you were here and a chunk of you couldn't be here. But what happened yesterday was too vitally important to not talk about today. We've had a consultant whose name is Michael Piazza, and as he was careful to let us know yesterday, not the baseball player, but the openly gay UCC pastor consultant from the Center for Progressive Renewal, who pastors a very tiny church in Atlanta, who was here with us yesterday to help explain to us where we are as a church. And if we want to stay here as Stanley Congregational Church, what we need to be thinking about and what we need to challenge ourselves to do. All of it means changing. All of it. Not doing things as we've been doing. Because when he talked about us doing things as we've been doing them, he flashed up a little PowerPoint picture of Dr. Phil saying, how's that working for you? Churches love tradition. The church is about tradition in a lot of ways, and we don't need to ignore or discount our tradition. But, as he was also fond of saying yesterday, if you want a church for your grandchildren to be baptized in or married in, then we need to change the way we do things so the church becomes relevant and a doorway into faith for people who are not here. He said, if you were doing things right, your church would be full. So there are things that we need to do to change ourselves. Doesn't mean we need to change the heart of who and what Stanley is, theologically. We're a liberal, progressive Christian church. That doesn't change. That's one of the best things about us. It's one of the defining things about us. 
So we don't change that and all of the things that that means. We're open and affirming. That's a huge one for us. The way in which we are not only open and welcoming to our LGBT brothers and sisters, because if you went to any church in Chatham, they'd all say, oh, we welcome them. Of course we welcome them. That's the open part. But we, you, before I got here, made a decision to go on a course that said you are not only open to them, you are affirming of them which means we don't say, well, we love them, but we hate the sin that resides in them, which I've heard a lot of churches articulate. We affirm them and love them just as they are, as we do everybody, and we affirm their presence not only in our pews, but in our pulpits and educating our children and sitting on our groups and committees and getting things done. That's a huge thing for us. And there is no denomination in the United States that go at, goes as far as we do on this issue. And that's a hallmark of who and what Stanley is. And we need to do more with that. So who we are as Stanley is not going to change. But how we do things at Stanley needs to change. And so the vision group that exists, and those who were here yesterday to hear Michael talk, heard a lot about where we've ended up. He had this wonderful graph, and I want you to all embrace this graph. It had four squares, four quadrants, and it started over here with a new church, and as it begins, it builds, and more people come, and eventually the church reaches its peak at the top of the center of quadrant two. Stanley Church reached its peak before I was born, I think. Those days that a lot of you remember when this church was big enough that it needed to have two services on Sunday morning. And there was lots going on, and it was packed. And a lot of our churches were 50 years ago. A lot of the churches in Chatham were 50 years ago, but none of them are now except for Corpus Christi and Township Presbyterian. So, after you reach that peak, you come down. And you come into Quadrant 3, which is, can take a long time. And as Michael said yesterday, he said that's the slow death the churches go through that no one even notices until it's almost too late. Because then you end up in Quadrant 4 which is death, a dying church. And he said, that's what we are. We are a quadrant four church. And he's right. And let's not shy away from that, and let's not argue with it. Let's embrace it as reality, because it is. And we are not alone. 84% of United Church of Christ churches in the United States are quadrant four churches. 84% of our churches are dying, and so close to the point of death that many of them will never be able to reverse the process, and they will just be gone. I have watched four UCC churches here in New Jersey close since I moved here, and there will be more within the next 10 years. And for every four UCC churches that die every week in the United States, four a week, just go. We're lucky if we're able to rebuild one 
or start a new one? Are you all excited yet? Right? <laughs> you got to get through this before you can get to the good stuff. But it, you get, you, we, we have to know where we are, okay? And if you've been paying attention at our last two budget hearings the past two years, if you've just been noticing what's been happening here on Sunday morning with bodies, this ain't the same Stanley I came to in 2007. We've had people pass away. We've had people move away. We have not had a lot of new people coming in. This is crucial. And friends, this is where we need your help. Because I said to Michael, we really haven't seen an abundance of new people in a good, healthy chunk of time. We get little trickles, but he said, my God, if you're not getting four or five new people a week into your church, you will die fast. He said, because the attrition rate for churches on the whole is 16 to 18% a year. Either by death or by moving away, churches on an average lose 16 to 18% of their membership every year. And if you hope to supplant that or at least keep it level so you can stay at a level of sustainability for yourselves, you've got to be bringing people to church. So guess what? I'm going to ask you, implore you. And he said, he, he was very honest with us yesterday. He said, we're not good at this like some of our other brothers and sisters in different faith traditions, going out and talking up our church, talking up our theology, talking up Jesus. Oh, but friends, if you want to have a place to come to on Christmas Eve or Easter morning or have your kids get married in or whatever, this is what we've got to start to do. We need to bring people here. We all think and know we've got a great place. But do we just figure that by some divine intuition, people are going to magically show up at the doorstep because they know this great church is here? No. And we can do all the publicity blitzing we want and all the marketing we can do and use all of the talents we have, but the fact remains nationally as a statistic for every church. They grow because the present membership brings friends, brings new neighbors that move in. You guys help bring people here. Then it's my job to do a good job at what I do when you bring them here. And the music department does phenomenal music and we do great fellowship time and we, we do all that stuff that makes it worth staying here once we can get people just to show up and see what we're all about and learn about us. So, a lot of you have expressed your concern to me especially this past year, about what's happening to Stanley. So on this Trinity Sunday, I want us to focus on two of those three elements of what the Trinity is. First, God the Creator, the creative spirit. We need to live the creative spirit and create new things here. It's in our Bible. Behold, I am making a new thing. I make all things new. We need to make all things new at Stanley, from top to bottom. The way we govern ourselves, the way we worship, what we decide to get involved in in our outreach, the way we brand and market ourselves, these are all the things we're focusing on. But we need to be creative. 
Not looking back and saying, oh, you know, 20 years ago, this one thing really worked really well, and if we just brought that back and did that, no, none of that, none. Let's pretend we're starting from square one from scratch at the beginning with no foreknowledge of whatever happened here and start at the beginning and create and not be afraid to fail. That's the other thing Michael said yesterday, and he's right. For every two or three things we try, one might work and the rest of it might completely tank. That's fine. Who here does everything perfectly and has it work all the time anyway? Okay? Life is nothing but trying to create something, watching it either succeed or watching it fail. And when it succeeds, we celebrate it and we acknowledge it and we hold it up and we say yes. And when it doesn't, we say okay, Let's try something else. But we need to be creative with our worship and with the way we live life as Stanley. So the creative spirit of God on this Trinity Sunday, we need to hold on to. The second thing is the third, the Holy Spirit. That thing which empowers us, we need to feel empowered to go forth from this place and let people know that we are here to not be afraid to do a little evangelism. You know? No one's asking you to give a thorough theological exegesis on, you know, three books of the Old Testament. We just want you to share how great Stanley is and what it informs you about how God works in your life. Because that's what people need. They need to know that God is present, God loves them, God is still speaking, God is still listening and God is still working through us. And we need to broadcast that. I wear my I Am Stanley t-shirt a lot, don't I? Yes. I wear it when I'm in the yard. I wear it when I'm down the shore at the beach. I wear it when I go food shopping. I'm sure Randolph thinks my name is Stanley. No doubt. But, friends, I love you guys. I love this church, and I am in this to make it work. It's terrifying, and it's nerve-wracking, and it makes me scared. Okay, it worries me. I, as your pastor, don't want to see this place disappear for your sakes. And me personally, my living is this place. My home is this place. Feeding my family is this place. So as a person, as a pastor, as a worshiper here, there's all sorts of levels at which I'm in this to make it work. And know that I'm nervous and anxious and scared right along with you, okay? But where other places I know of and have even been in succumb to the fear and they implode and they collapse, we will not let that happen here. We will not. We are too smart. We are too creative. We are too compassionate. And we are the only church in Chatham that can offer people what we can offer especially on issues of social justice. We are the only church 
that will go where we go on issues of the environment, of inclusivity, of reaching out, of standing up for those who have no voice. It's the history of our denomination, and it is the legacy that we should be proud to carry on. So we have a team. We have a vision group that is working diligently on just brainstorming right now. And yesterday, those of you who could make it came and heard Michael talk about a little bit about what led us here generally, but more importantly, what we need to try and where we need to go. As Tom and I were saying yesterday, the stinker of that is that we're doing this in June when I know a bunch of you are going to disappear for about three months. You know? So we've got all this idea gathering and momentum, and it's summertime. Right? Okay. So here's what I'd like you to do. When you are here in the summer, please come to church. It's a simple thing to ask, but I know summertime, if you can sleep in on Sunday morning, boy, it's a nice thing to do. Yes. But understand also that the majority of those who come to check us out and visit us come in the summer, particularly if they're families who are church shopping to see where they might bring their family once they move here and the school year starts. And if they come to our chapel and see 15, 10, 9 people sitting there, they're going to think exactly what Michael said yesterday. Oh, Maybe I'll go check out Presbyterian Church where there's 800 people. Numbers mean health, right? Sometimes. But they can't offer what we do. They can't. They don't. So, come to church when you can. Secondly, be brainstorming over the summer. And I said this to one person yesterday. Not if. When you have an idea, and we are discounting no ideas, jot it down and either mail it to me in the mail or email it to me so I can share it with the vision group because we are taking all ideas as we try to make with clarity what our vision is and what our focus is going to be because we can only make the changes after we identify where we want to focus. So, those four areas that I'd like you to think about, please, worship. I'll come back to that. It's too big. <laughs> Governance. We, we, we are overcommitted, friends, for the, the church our size. When you guys were 27,000 members big, yes, a huge committee structure made sense. Now, you all know this. All of you do 27 different things. You're all exhausted. You're overworked. Your creativity goes out the window because you're spent. Most of you who are asked to do things when poor nominating calls you every year and says, would you please prayerfully consider that? And you go, oh, God. Well, no one else is doing it. I guess I'll sit on blah, blah, just to fill up the space. But you don't want to be there. You're not feeling called or energized or motivated to do this or that. You're doing it out of, you know, guilt or, or responsibility because no one else is there. We're going to scrap that. We are going to scrap that, and we're going to make a structure where we do what we do because we feel energized and called to do it, and nothing else. So that's governance. Sunday school. 
We're going to fail. <laughs> I hear titters. We are going to change Sunday school in a way that it opens up the ability for our Sunday school teachers to worship as adults too because they need that. And the way we currently do it, you notice half of our congregation disappeared when the kids left, which is a great thing. But the adults who are now watching them are, are missing out on their worship. We need to find a way to include them in the worship life of Stanley because then they won't feel as burnt out as they do because then they're being fed. So we need to feed our Sunday school staff too. So we're going to work on that. Third thing we're working on is the way we brand ourselves, the way we put ourselves out there. And we've got some very talented people on our vision group who are going to help us with that as Michael coaches us through that. But what outside tells people what Stanley's all about when you drive by on Fairmount? What they see is a gray stone building that looks like almost every other church that's a big gray stone building. There's nothing out there that indicates to people what we're all about in here. At the very least, we should throw a huge rainbow flag out there like they did in Montclair. He was happy to share that story yesterday. We should at least do that because you guys went through a lot to be O&A and when you walk in here, there is nothing in this church from corner to corner that indicates to me you're an ONA church. So we've got to at least do something like that. Fourth thing is worship. Here we go. Okay. When I came to Nutley, they were, where, they were even further into Quadrant 4 than when we are. And they had a special meeting of the congregation before I got there, and I saw the notes from it, and they said, we need to have a rock service. What does that mean? They simply thought by sticking a rock band up front that magically the church would renew itself because that's what the big churches do. They do bands. So let me tell you something. I tried that for six months, and you know what? Of the 20 people that came to worship, three-quarters of them never showed up because they hated it. It didn't fit what the church was. They were just doing it for the sake of doing it because they thought that's what would work, and it didn't. But what Michael shared with us yesterday is that you do worship the way you do it now because it pleases you, us said the challenge to make a church grow is to incorporate forms of worship that will speak to and inspire the people who are not here yet, who don't even know that we're here, and especially who are millennials, 19, 20, 21 years old. Some of those millennials may love traditional worship. I always loved traditional worship growing up. It's how I was raised. It's what I know. And it's what I'm comfortable with. But there are other forms and other means by which we can help to spread the message each day. Michael bought two ginormous 92-inch televisions and put them up in his church and at least did some multimedia stuff. He used the perfect example of talking about Martin Luther King on Martin Luther King Martyrdom Sunday, and rather than him as a Caucasian male doing the Promised Land speech, he said, wouldn't you rather see Martin Luther King saying it? It's far more inspiring to watch him actually do it than me. So show it. Different forms of worship, expression, music, 
word, movement, color, without freaking you all out and making those of you who are perfectly content and happy with the way we do things Sunday morning at 10 o'clock and making you feel like your church has suddenly disappeared because we can't do that either. So we're going to be striving for a balance of newness and creativity while honoring that there are a good, healthy chunk of you who don't want a blessed thing to change in your worship. So that's my job and Cliff's job and a few others of us. And we will be working on that over the summer. So while we're here doing that, wherever you go, take that creative spirit of the Trinitarian God with you and help us create a new thing here. And also the empowering nature of the Holy Spirit and feel empowered to know that we can do this. The reason we were given the gift of this consultant and we're the only UCC church in New Jersey that was given him, is because John Deckenbach as our conference minister and Sherry Taylor as the New Jersey conference minister thinks Stanley is worth trying to save. I take that as a huge compliment about who you are. It also stresses the living daylights out of me. You know, because eyes are on us. Let's see what they do. How do they make it work? Michael said yesterday, I don't have answers for you because every church is different. So I can't give you a 12-step program and say, if you just do this, 12 months, 16 months from now, you'll be fine. It doesn't work that way. We have to find this out for ourselves. So we are going to do this. And if you're worried or you're anxious or you have questions, articulate them, ask them, share them with me, with each other, especially with members of the vision group, and I will remind all of you who they are in an email this week so everybody knows. But when we walk back into this place in September for kickoff Sunday, things need to start in a new way come September. And so the work is ahead of us. But let's do this work. <laughs> I have a hard time with this, too. Ask Kathy. She knows. Let's do it with optimism and courage and faith that this is going to work. And as Michael said when he left us yesterday, when he comes back a year from now for our final sort of chunk of coaching, we will be in a vastly different place than we are now. Can we do it? Yes. Can we do it? Yes. <laughs> you can always hear Tiffany. <laughs> Let us be as loud as Tiffany Bazowitz in our affirmation that yes, we can and we will and we must do this, friends. I know we can. Final question he put on this seven or eight step list was, when do we start? The answer to that is 10 years ago. The answer for us this morning is yesterday. We start this minute. And so consider it begun. And let's go.
Amen.